0: Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. Welcome to this special year-end Edition. We're going to have a several year end specials here as we go through the holidays. As I mentioned on the last podcast, I'm going to try to put out some interesting stuff here over the holidays when maybe everyone has a little bit more time to listen to podcasts and do other fun things as you're preparing for the end of the year and the holidays. Today, I wanted to talk, kind of close the loop on a podcast I did approximately one year ago. I think it came out actually in January. But I wanted to close the loop on trends that I made some predictions, uh, some Nostradamus-like uh, predictions, although I think probably a little bit less intuitive at the beginning of the year about compliance trends. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what we saw during the year. And I had three things in particular that I talked about back in January. And now that the year has unfolded, I think it's worth kind of taking a look back and seeing what we thought might happen and what the reality was. The first and probably most important trend that I thought was important to talk about. And given the environment that we were in in January, as the change in administration was on everybody's mind was deregulation and whether deregulation would lessen the importance of compliance, lessen the focus that organizations had on compliance and whether deregulation would be the main theme kind of running for lack of a better term, contrary to compliance and compliance focus. I think the pretty clear answer is is that that's not been the case if anything it's been the other way. Certainly when you look at a an issue like harassment which is on everybody's minds and everybody's lips and in the news every day there's a new bombshell particularly around sexual harassment that hits the national news here in the United States. So I would say while deregulation is certainly something that people politicians and others talk a lot about in Washington, and there's certainly still the chance that further deregulation and serious deregulation is going to go on. I don't think it's affected the day to day on compliance, and certainly not on the, for lack of a better term, bread and butter issues of organizational compliance, things like harassment. If anything else, those issues have come to the forefront even more. So while I think it's fair to say that there's been a focus on deregulation at the federal level, certainly in some states as well. There's been a pushback regionally and on a state-by-state basis going the other way. So I don't think, as I probably said back in January and have said since then, while deregulation is still a factor and we have to keep our eye on, on these things, and I think that it has not made a fundamental difference into as to how organizations approach it. The fear I had back then, and I think this is still a good fear to have, and how this deregulation talk might actually most affect organizations, not only throughout this year, but as we move forward into the new year, is that potentially it could affect the perceptions of individuals within organizations that compliance is not as significant or as important as it used to be. (laughs) I think that a lot of talk about deregulation might give the false impression to individual actors inside of an organization that they can do things that, that may have been proscribed in the past that, that are no longer proscribed, et cetera. So I think that there is a an added dimension about communicating within the organization that despite all the talk, we still have these responsibilities. If nothing else, this I think reinforces something that I've talked about before and I think is really important, is that now, no matter what's going on externally, either at the federal or state level or, or otherwise, whatever regulations your organization faces externally, it's important to keep the focus on the internal values, the internal prescriptions, to make sure that those are what you fundamentally speak to and, and talk about. And we've seen that come up, actually, in the most recent news stories around harassment, for example. Several of the organizations that have taken action what do they talk about when when they uh, release their statement about relieving somebody of of their job or or taking a disciplinary action they talk about their values they talk about their standards and i think that's important as we move forward where there might be some confusion or at least some some perception whether it's accurate or not that regulators are deregulating or or not paying as much attention which i think again is probably false that leaves the opportunity for you to continue to focus more on what you do internally and what your expectations are internally. So, as far as that first and kind of big theme or trend that I was talking about back in January of 2017, I think deregulation is still there. It's still going to be something that people are talking about that's in their kind of in their transom, in their in their in the front of their mind. You may have to battle some perceptions around it. But the reality is, is it doesn't, it has not made a difference in for, for example, enforcement of, you know, enforcement actions that we're seeing from the Department of Justice or SEC or other regulators. In practical terms, uh, deregulation doesn't affect the day-to-day operation or risks that the organization faces around compliance issues. It may be a perceptional Problem, a communications problem that you have to address. But again, I think the answer to that is to, no matter what's happening externally, is to keep as the North Star for communication around compliance and ethics in your organization what your internal values, your expectations are, your rules. And and that's a way to diffuse that. A second thing that I talked about, as far as a trend goes, was talking about social media and reputation and how. I felt like a trend that we've seen for a couple of years now was going to continue unabated in that reputationalist issues for organizations were going to be affected by, by statements that were made in social media and otherwise, and that uh, reputational risk was going to continue to be an issue that was going to be more and more under the purview of compliance professionals. And I, I think that that's continued unabated. We've had a lot of other scandals and newsworthy compliance issues that have come up nationally here in the United States and internationally that have sort of sucked a lot of the oxygen out of the room. But there still continues to be these reputational snafus that happen that kind of cross the line and become compliance issues. And we still have this dangerous intersection between social media reputation and compliance and making sure that we're comfortable that our social media our social media expectations our social media rules and how we monitor social media remains front of mind i don't think it was quite as big a national news story if you will because of everything else that was going on this year as it had been in the last few years but it's still there it's still there and i think it's still important to keep keep abreast of what's going on have a hand in with the comms team with the IT department and everyone else to make sure that those reputational risks particularly through social media are well addressed. So that's one that I, you know, was on my mind in January, I think still continues as well. The third thing that I talked about last year or at the beginning of this year rather in January was this notion that the risk-based approach approach to compliance was going to continue to be a topic of discussion, was going to continue to be developed, that this notion of taking a risk-based approach through all facets of your compliance program was going to remain an important and necessary piece of the puzzle. And I think that's absolutely the case. And I think that was borne out literally a month after I talked about it in January, in February of of this year. And the fraud section of the Department of Justice came out with the guidelines, commonly known as the checklist, that's not a checklist of what makes up an effective ethics and compliance program, or at least the evaluation of such from the perspective of the Department of Justice. And shot throughout that document, uh, integral to that document, is this notion of taking a risk based approach to each and every piece of the puzzle, whether it's training, whether it's oversight, whether it's monitoring, auditing, whether it's looking at discipline and incentives. You know, being empirical, or using data, understanding the risks, and not taking a scattershot approach is clear, not only in that document, but in a lot of the other statements that have come out. As you all know, because I did a podcast about it just a couple of weeks ago, the Deputy Attorney General has just recently stated that a lot of these memos, I would assume including the February memo, he would like to see those incorporated in the U.S. Attorney's Manual in the near future— near future being a variable term. And and so that particular memo and some of the other pronouncements, both formal and informal, around the risk-based approach may change or may be adapted in some way different than what we have seen in the past. But I think that it is still likely that we're going to see risk-based approach. If nothing else, the formal FCPA guidance from a few years back, the FCPA guide that the SEC and DOJ produced, is not going away. That's not one of these pronouncements that's going to be either incorporated or discarded into the U.S. Attorney's Manual because it's a separate document and it's also pursuant to some international treaty obligations that the United States has. So, that pronouncement, which is probably the most definitive still pronouncement of the risk based approach will not be going away. So neither will the risk-based approach. So I think that was, if I do say so myself, I think I was (laughs) accurate in suggesting that we would continue to see development around the risk-based approach to compliance. For those of you who are interested, I recently recorded a hour-long webinar on taking the risk-based approach for compliance programs. If you're interested, please check out our website. You can listen to that recording of that free webinar if, if you are interested in the topic of the risk, risk-based approach. So overall, you know, I, again, I think that I didn't take in January too much prescience to figure out some of the issues that we would be facing, continuing to face in 2017. Overall, not surprising. What is surprising and what all, is always the case is what individual risks Pop up and individual risks not only for specific industries and specific organizations, because you you know just as your mileage may vary, your risks may vary, but the perennial risks like last year, one of the things that came up is despite all the sophisticated compliance programs and and compliance spending that an organization like for example, Wells Fargo had put in place, they still were undone by some pretty basic behavior from, from you know, kind of garden variety, fraud, and deception. You know, it wasn't a sophisticated fraud manufacturing these false accounts that that caused all the difficulty for Wells Fargo last year. And this year, many organizations are finding themselves both reputationally and, and otherwise compromised by yeah. compliance risk that is endemic to all organizations, and that's harassment. You know, Could, you know, could any of us have predicted in January of this year that harassment was going to be the risk topic, the compliance risk topic that was going to be most discussed, most talked about, most explosive nationally, at least here in the United States. And and I think, you know, it's going to affect all organizations internationally here moving forward. I mean, I think there was some indication you know, throughout the political campaigns last year that this was going to at least be important as far as the political campaigns went. But it, it really was, I wouldn't say it came out of left field because this is, again, an issue that exists in all organizations and continues to exist and continues to be a, a top-line risk. I, I often talk about the fact that while we, in the last, say, five years or 10 years, have spent a lot of time talking about For example, anti corruption or FCPA here in the United States. And those are important risks. But even though it wasn't in the news, harassment is always the most common complaint that is made in most organizations. So uh, again, I, I wouldn't have needed a crystal ball to figure that out in January, but I don't think I would have, and I certainly didn't anticipate that it would be such a well discussed issue as we entered into the end of this year. I think it's good. It gives it sets up an opportunity going into 2018 for compliance officers and those re- responsible for compliance in their organizations to talk about this issue because it is on everybody's mind. So it gives you a an opening and an opportunity to have real meaningful conversations about it. And I've had more than a few of my clients actually come come to me and talk and ask me questions about for instance revising their harassment policy or figuring out a communication campaign around harassment I think it's on the front of everyone's mind but that's for predictions for 2018 which will be a different podcast as we head into the new year but I wanted to wrap up and kind of revisit what I talked about a year ago and, and kind of see how those trends that I thought were going to be important played out and I think I think it's fair to say two out of three were pretty strong I, I think there's still a lot of talk about deregulation there's still a lot of talk about the risk-based approach and certainly with the guidance that came out. Now, the social media as a reputational risk issue is still there and still important, but maybe not quite as important as harassment it now is in the front of our mind. But that's the wrap-up based on the trends for 2017. As I said, I'm going to have some other interesting things coming up here in the next couple of weeks, so please stay tuned. As we go through the holidays, I'd Sure, We sure appreciate it when you download, and we sure appreciate it when you subscribe. And we also appreciate all comments and suggestions for future episodes. We're heading into a new year. I'm going to have to put together a whole new slate of topics and guests as we get into the beginning of the year. And if you've got suggestions, I sure want to hear them. We're also going to have some more free webinars on compliance issues as we head into the new year. And once we get those on the docket, we will announce them. So be looking for that in the future. And if you're interested, as I said earlier, in listening to any of our past webinars, those are described on the moreheadconsulting.com website. Just let us know, and we'd be happy to send you a link to the recorded versions. So thank you. And until next time. The upshot this time is, is it really didn't take a psychic to figure out that 2017 would be a year where we would be contemplating and discussing deregulation, and it would also be the year when we would be contemplating what a risk-based approach means to compliance. It's something that we will be continuing to discuss all through the next year and beyond. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Morehead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moreheadconsulting.com.